back to our passage in Leviticus for this evening. We've heard about it and we've looked at it before, but I like, I like what Peter said when he got old in Second Peter. He said, though you know the truth and are established in it, I'm going to tell you again anyway, <laughs> but if you're established and know this, just rejoice in it, in what the Lord has here in the Old Testament, because we live looking back at this Passover that they celebrated or that was instituted back here in Exodus chapter 11, 12 and 13. Let's pray before we get started. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for scripture compared with scripture helps us to understand and rejoice in what you've revealed to us. And Lord, we have the mind of the Lord on the matter as we read the word. And we don't have to be bothered with the thoughts of men and the dreams that they come up with about theology and doctrine but we have the word of truth. We know, Lord, it's black and white, and it's written there for our blessing and our, our privilege. As your children, you do tell your children what you're doing and you have in your word through the Spirit of God that teaches us. Teach us tonight these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> the central object of this passage is the Lamb. And if Brother McConnell is listening, he's got the flu, by the way, or severe cold. And uh, he, he may be, he may not feel like listening. But um, <clears throat> he, pre he, he preached on the Lamb, I believe, on the Sunday evening about three or four weeks ago. And he went into the Old Testament. And we're just looking at the Lamb here in this section. The central thought here is the lamb the passover marked the birth of the nation of israel they had been growing in egypt how many souls had gone from wandering around in the middle in, in israel that they hadn't occupied yet as nomads abraham isaac and then jacob wandering around how many souls went down to egypt when joseph was there and in charge or second in charge of How many souls went down? They, it says it very... You're hitting around close. 70. 70 souls. It says that. 70 souls went down. How many years later... We're looking at this. This is the day that they came out as a nation. You see, Egypt bore them. <laughs> Egypt grew them, really, although they were in slavehood at the end. 400, 430 years later, they came out as a nation. How many strong? How many men? <laughs> About 2 million men, besides women and children and asses and oxes and goats. And it would have been, when they went through the Red Sea, when Pharaoh was after them, it's not a mean thing to get half of Melbourne's population to walk through a path in the sea with all the animals and everything else. It would have been a sight to behold. But the Egyptians were still so slow that they thought we can do, we can beat them. This is a miracle. And that they thought they could catch them as they're going through and they got drowned. Did they not? So this is the birth of the nation. This is the night before they left Egypt. Um, <clears throat> deliverance from bondage. And as we know, all of this pictures the Lord Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. 
As John the baptizer said in John 1.29, when he saw the Lord Jesus coming to him, he said, Behold the Lamb. Remember we said that's central to the Passover. Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. No mistake that he said that. Because that was tying it right back to the Passover, tying the Lord back to the Passover. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 7 and 8 that we've looked at a, a week ago, Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. So this is not me making something up. No, this is what the Bible says. Christ, our Passover, sacrificed for us. We have, first of all, the need identified in Exodus chapter 11. <clears throat> Death was to come upon all those who were firstborn, who were not protected by the blood. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterward, he will let you go. He, he said, Yes, no, yes, no. I don't know how many times. I didn't count them up. In all the plagues, for the first one, he wasn't even saying yes. But when the intensity built, he was willing to let him go but only you, not your animals. Only you, you not your children. Um, and only a little way, you've got to come back. He, he realised this is his workforce. And uh, the Egyptians might have to start making bricks again and, and mixing it like the Jews had been in bondage doing so for him. <clears throat> and he's, the Lord said, He shall surely thrust you out from here altogether. You know, when I think of that, you think of the literalness of it happening. How did Moses, how was he allowed to live around the court of Pharaoh? How was he allowed to just walk into Pharaoh's place and say, this is what's going to happen next, without being murdered on the way by the Egyptian armed forces? It's, it sort of makes you wonder a little bit. But the Lord protected him, did he not? As he was in Egypt, in the picture of the world, the Lord protected him, as he does us. So <clears throat> the need is identified. Death was to come upon all those firstborn who were not protected by the blood. If you go to chapter 11, verse 5, And all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sitteth upon his throne, even to the firstborn of the maidservants, who is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. If as if there was not enough dead animals around already with the other plagues that had happened and all the grass burned up and, and the lightning going along the ground and killing the animals and anything less left of the that were first born, they'd die too. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. And chapter 12 and verse 12. And I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, <clears throat> against, and against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. The Passover feast. <laughs> Easter for us as Christians and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt oh we could talk about that for a while couldn't we the Lord is going to smite 
the earth. Blessed are those who have the blood upon their doorposts, the doorpost of our heart. If we don't have that, then we're in trouble. But the Lord's going to smite the earth and he's going to deliver the righteous before that terrible day. The wages of sin, Romans 6.23, is death. The firstborn will die. And this speaks of God's rejection of our first birth, but not the second birth. <laughs> what does John's Gospel say in John 3, verses 5 to 7? What does Jesus say to Nicodemus in John 3, verses 5 to 7? Ye must be born again. If you're born once, you get this, I mean, you, you'll know it. You know it, don't you? You die twice. If you're born twice, you may die once. <laughs> Especially us who are living close to that time when the Lord comes. But if it doesn't happen, um, we'll die. But if it does happen, we'll go up. I mean, the Lord's coming, we'll go up. And then we shall say what 1 Corinthians 15, about 56 says there, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? That's for raptured saints to say. <laughs> now, we say it at funerals, but really the, the interpretation is for Christians that disappear off the world and say, ha, you look back and say, grave, you didn't get me. Death, you didn't get me. And um, <clears throat> praise the Lord that that will happen to many people one day. The wages of sin is death. But for us who were born twice, no death. We may suffer physical but not eternal death. And at every funeral, it is a sad occasion, even if they're Christians. <clears throat> there, is, there is that sting of death. There is a parting. There is... An absence of a loved one at the table, especially when there's only mum and dad left or grandma and grandpa, and one goes. That's when it gets very lonely. And if you need to know, you are somebody. And um, it's hard, especially when there's been years and years, decades of being married together. Brother Doug. You had your anniversary uh, yesterday. yesterday. How many years is that? 45. 45. Others are up in their 60 years. Some are in their 40s. Some are in their 20s. Bernie and Sarah celebrated 17 today, was it? Today. And, and that, they only just got married. <laughs> <laughs> But it goes so quick, doesn't it? And other people. Mr. Dunn, how long? 62. 62. 62. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Uh, oh. <laughs> he got the two right. <laughs> anyway, we'll get back to the same. You know, <laughs> but it is, and, and, and those years, you just, you know, you, you you know what each other are thinking. You see something on the news. You see something out happening. Yep, <laughs> and don't have to even say anything. But you know, often what each other are thinking. But then, when that is gone, that sting, when that you're parted by death, it hurts. 
But one day, praise the Lord, it's all going to be over. <laughs> you read 1 Corinthians 15. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15. Not the end verses I've been referring to, but verse 44. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 44, a little bit earlier, and sometimes we use these in at a funeral. <clears throat> and we read there, it is so in a natural body. That's how we start out. We're born. <laughs> it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. There, there is both. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. So Adam, flesh, born once. The last Adam, the Lord Jesus, born in him by the Spirit of God, born twice. You must be born again. Howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. You had to get born in the flesh before you could be born in the spirit. And you had to live a little while before you could comprehend what it meant to be born in the spirit too. And understand, we talk, we talk of that as being the age of accountability where we God begins to speak to us. And that can be fairly young. You know, four years old. I know so, souls here been some were saved at that. Some even a little younger. So parents... Don't think that they can't, a child cannot comprehend that. The gospel is simple, but it's profound in what it does to us, how it changes us. But that which is natural and afterward that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. And if we don't get born again, we're just earthy. We're temporal. The earthy is. The second man is the Lord from heaven, the Lord Jesus. As is the earthy, such are they that are earthy. And as are heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. As we've borne the image of the earthy, we look like, if, if we had Adam tonight, what might he look like? What does Adam mean? Red. <laughs> so that's probably the colour. He wouldn't be white, like most of us. And he'd look at us, what's happened to you? <laughs> Not being racialistic, he wouldn't know about nations. They weren't invented. They weren't there. But, <clears throat> and he might have been a bit bigger, I think, than us. We're growing taller these days as you look around the young people. But we bear his image. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. And who is that? The Lord Jesus Christ. What does he want to do? At the, the carol we sing, Adam's image now efface. Stamp thine image in its place. Let us look, act, behave like the Lord Jesus Christ as we've been born from above. This I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Then he goes into talking about the Lord's coming in a, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. And that's where that saying is there. The need identified all that are born once needed to be protected by the blood of the Lamb in the Old Testament. Men cannot save themselves in all their righteousness as filthy rags. They cannot save themselves from the penalty of death, no matter how hard they try. Who was I talking to the other day about the 27 Club? Someone here? Out in the car park? Yes. Rather done. The 27 Club. 
at 27, they're going to die and they say they're going to die and they die. Um, and it's, a, it's, it's evil, it's wrong, but have you noticed a lot of people, uh, people that are superstars and movie magnates or whatever they call them, dying a lot younger than everybody else. <laughs> They cannot save themselves no matter how much they earn, how much they've got, how much money, houses, and it doesn't make a difference. They name their lands after themselves. They put that up on the front as you enter in. They haven't been born again. They have the need of the blood applied. The lamb's blood needed to be applied. They died and they left out they're left out for eternity in heaven and suffer the flames of hell. Humanly speak, speaking, there is no difference between the firstborn of Egypt, as, you, as we read there in the book of Exodus, and the firstborn of Israel. The difference is in the application of the blood. Unless the blood has been applied, then the soul is lost. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Hebrews 9.22 Psalm 50 and verse 5 <clears throat> Those who have made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The blood was shed. Those are the ones who have their sins covered. And I say covered because in the New Testament it, it says that. Who in times past waited for that time when the Lamb would come. Their sins were covered. But our sins are removed. When Jesus died and said it is finished and was raised again what happened in Jerusalem many others were raised too their sins were taken away as well because the perfect lamb had come but their blood needed to be applied the need is identified there in chapter 11 you've got to put the blood on your doorposts otherwise you're not going to see the light of heaven the lamb was specified, if you go to chapter 12, so the need is identified, the lamb is specified, verses 1 to 5. In Exodus 12, the Lord spoke unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be to you the beginning of months, and it shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye to all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of the month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for our house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbour next unto his house take it according to the number of souls. Every man according to the eating shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. And she will be a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the, from the sheep and from the goats. Take a lamb. The lamb was specified. Now, it's interesting, as you read that, what did you find there in that, in that verse? That there is a beginning of a year. When did the year begin? For the Jews, last week, the Passover. But that was the spiritual calendar. <laughs> because we know there's another year, the civil calendar for the Jews, that begins at another time. And when does, when does that occur? In the Feast of the Trumpets in around our September. That's the civil year. That's the one we keep looking at. 
and, and, and I'll make sure when I buy a diary, I, it's, it's in my diary. Colin's diary still has it in. And if it's not in there, I don't buy it. I'll look for one to... Because it can... In that, they, they go backwards and they go forwards in the diary. And I just put a big yellow mark through there. For no reason. It's a feast of the trumpets. <laughs> and, and all the other feasts have been fulfilled pretty well on the dot. Not sending any days. No, we can't do that. <laughs> but it's interesting, isn't it? And <clears throat> feast of the Passover, feast of unleavened bread, the three of them that's happened on this, on this, at this time, that they're instructed in these verses to have, to to, to hold. So the lamb was specified there. <clears throat> the death of the lamb marks the new beginning, just as the death of Christ makes a new beginning for the believing sinner. Um, <clears throat> In verses 2 and 3 of that, those verses we read, chosen before it's slain. Chosen on the 10th day, slain on the 14th and 15th day. Listen to what Peter says in First Peter 1.20, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world. The lamb was specified, it was chosen before the foundation of the world but was now made manifest in time in revelation 13 verse 8 and all they that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names are not written so whose names are written in the book of life as of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and so chosen before the world begun just as this lamb was chosen the lord jesus was it was to be a spotless lamb as verse 5 told us without spot and the lord jesus is exactly that first peter over there and you can use first peter and there's others in ephesians as well and it reads in first peter 1 19 but with the precious blood of christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot chapter 2 of first peter and verse 22 who did no sin neither was guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Uh, <clears throat> and in, in, in Isaiah 53, 9, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found in his mouth. His sp spotless lamb. And verse 6 of Exodus 12, and ye, ye shall keep it unto the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. <clears throat> and he was, the lamb was to be tested. Chosen, spotless and it was to be checked out for a few days there before it was sacrificed that it was without blemish and was the Lord Jesus tested at the start of his ministry tempted for 40 days throughout his ministry the eye of the religious leader were on him constantly trying to find fault trying to trip him up in his words, trying to find an area they could get in and say, ha. And every time they thought they had, he was able to answer clearly from his knowledge of the word of God. He was tested, and then he was tested. As he hung on the cross in Matthew 27 and verse 36, they watched him there. They watched him there. If you look at, 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 at um, Psalm 22, it tells you that the people were around the cross watching him and they were ready to make a remark a derogatory remark at any time that, what were some of the remarks of the crowd when they watched him 
You know, staring at three men dying. Some people are pretty morbid. A lot of movies are like that these days too. Morbid. Not worthy for us to look at at all. 22, Psalm 22 and verse 6. The Lord's saying, I'm a worm, I'm a no man, a reproach of man and despised by the people. David, picturing the suffering saviour here. All they who see me, they're looking, laugh me to scorn. He's being tempted, he's being tested as they're laughing him to scorn on the cross. And he's looking down there at them and his response, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He could have called legions of angels. They shoot out the lip. They shake their heads saying, this is what they're doing at the cross. They were testing him. Just as a lamb in the Passover lamb was tested, he trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted him. He thinks he's, his father is in heaven and is, is, is God. Then let us see him be delivered. But thou who took me out of, my, out of the womb, who didst make me hope upon my mother's breast, I was cast upon thee from the womb. Who is the saviour trusting in the, on the cross? The, his father, thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have what? Compassed me round. They tested him. They were staring at him. And what other things the Lord knew? The, the, the hordes of hell, the demons being present there, gleeing at the fact that the Lord, the Messiah, was being crucified. Strong bulls of Bashan have beset me round. They gaped upon me with their mouths like a ravening and a roaring lion and poured out like water. And so here he was tested come down and do something about it but he didn't he stayed there for you and for me <clears throat> and note back in Exodus and I think brother McConnell brought this out in chapter 12 and verse 3 how does it describe the lamb just little words that are tied with the lamb what is it? So I've circled them. <laughs> a lamb. I, a lamb. In verse 4 of chapter 12, it's the lamb, the chosen lamb. But as you go further down, the lamb's mentioned twice in verse 4. In verse 5, it said, your lamb. Your lamb. <laughs> Likened to Luke 2, verse 11, a saviour. A saviour is born. John 4, 42, the saviour. Some begin to recognise who he was. And then in Luke 1, 47, it says, my saviour. <laughs> my saviour. There's a whole lot of difference. You can know about God in your head. But you have to know the Lord in your heart. And so these people, as they looked on this lamb that was going to die, it had to be your lamb, tested, tried, and perfect. No, I, Pilate said, and he said it right, I find 
no fault in him. And so <coughs> you've got those first thoughts there. The lamb identified, the lamb specified, and the lamb crucified. Verse 6 and 7, we won't go any further than these two verses. And you shall keep it till the 14th day of the same month, and the whole assembly and the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. <coughs> and they shall take of the blood and strike it on the two side posts and the upper door post of the house wherein they shall eat it. Now I suppose if you're a, a slaughterman, what do you, I don't know, what do you call a fella in the slaughter yards? Slaughter, slaughter yards. Yeah, he's, I have an Uncle Ben's there and they were doing it when he was working on a roof years ago. And they had a, maybe I shouldn't dob him in on, in public here, but a young fella there with a bolt and his bullock was in there and he was trying to hit it in the right spot and it was, it was missing. And the thing was going crazy, it was climbing the crash, it was climbing the walls. And they don't do it only in Indonesia, <laughs> put it that way, you know, if you miss the first time and, and then they'd kill the animal. But if, if you haven't been around the killing of a lamb, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's something you shouldn't enjoy doing, put it that way. <laughs> it's necessary. <laughs> the Lord gave the instruction we should eat meat. Sorry, ve vegans, they call them. <laughs> meets on the menu and it's it seems by the sacrifices in the book of Ezekiel in the last 10 chapters there that that's in the millennium too by the sacrifices that are given there but the lamb has to be crucified it was necessary no matter how much you love the lamb remember the story of Nathan to David you know that's if you've been raised on a farm and you've got a few lambs that have been rejected by their mother, you, 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 you raise them <laughs> in feeding them the bottle and their tails wagging and all the rest of it, and they become the pet lamb. You know, you harness it, you ride it, you do everything as kids with it. <laughs> it's a privilege of being raised on a farm. Where's all the farm kids here tonight? But <clears throat> imagine getting to the point where, where's my lamb? The kids say and dad said we ate it we what <laughs> you know? and the if the children know before you do it I think I mentioned it lately they won't eat it they just won't eat it <laughs> they do <laughs> bit of sad wasn't Emily <laughs> you got a sad look <laughs> there <clears throat> and th this lamb can you imagine how the disciples, you know, the Lord Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood. And they were, and many went back and followed him no more after that. But you see, unless we partake of the lamb, unless the blood is shed, unless it's put on our doorpost, unless we partake of him, we are none of his. You see, that's the importance of reading the Bible. We partake of him after we get saved constantly. It's the importance of praying because we are partaking of him in that sense. And of course, those in the Lord's day thought he meant eat his body. And that's not what he was saying. And he clarified that a bit later on. 
<clears throat> so the lamb could not save unless it had died. The lamb had to be crucified. We're saved by his death. <laughs> Note the importance of the shed blood, as we've mentioned before in Hebrews 9 and verse 22. <clears throat> in Leviticus 17:11, it says, The life of the flesh is in the blood. And what was only what what was there was two things that the disciples were the Gentile disciples were told not to do. And one of them was what? Don't drink the blood. Remember grandma's black pudding? <laughs> we didn't know what it was. <laughs> so if I ate it and I can't remember doing so. But they did collect the blood and they did make black pudding out of it. <clears throat> Congealed blood and, and a few things added into it. But that was the two things the Gentiles were told not to do. And, or one thing, I can't remember. What was the other thing? Oh, right, okay. <laughs> Anyway, we'll look it up. <laughs> it won't come to... I know what you're saying there. I'm trying to think. Don't eat things that are strangled to the, to the Jews they weren't allowed to. Um, <clears throat> no. <laughs> but it says... Yep. from pollution survivals and from fornication and from things strangled and from yep. blood. Right. Yeah. And those, those things that are mentioned there. And from blood. <laughs> the importance of the shed blood and the Lord has a reason for saying what he said there. Um, <clears throat> we've looked before at First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 in relation to that. You know, as we look around at religions today, what is the big thing that's becoming less and less talked about? The blood. The blood of the lamb shed for our sin. And they call it what we believe a slaughterhouse religion because of the blood, because we preach the blood. And without the blood, there's no possibility of being saved. And this is what religions are calling it. This is why in our hymn book, or their hymn books, they want to take out war, and they want to take out where it sings about the blood. You know, some of those wonderful songs we have around 113 in, in our hymn book, all be, they wouldn't be there if, because they say that's not necessary. Well, those people are not Christians. They're not saved and they're liars in the pulpit. Killing a lamb <clears throat> seemed foolishness to the Egyptians. I'm sure that that night... Of the Passover, the Egyptians had heard they're gonna, they're all killing a lamb. They're all got this thing going. If you've got a, a friendly Egyptian neighbour and and you've been you've been telling him, look, look, you need to kill a lamb, put it on your doorpost. Otherwise, in your house, the firstborn, every firstborn individual will die in your house and all your stock too. That are firstborn, and the Egyptians, what? That's not possible. <laughs> That's all. Fanciful, that's nonsense. Isn't that what they say today 
about the shed blood of the Lamb. We can work our way there. Most religions preach that. And isms. And it's not by the blood. It is by the blood. And only by the blood. Amen. It's not, it, you know, to the unsaved, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But to we who are saved is the power of God unto salvation. That's what the Bible says. The, the, the blood of the Lamb must be applied as it's in Exodus 12 and verse 21. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take unto you the lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood in the basin that is in the basin and strike and the lintel and the two side, side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through and smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the Lord will pass over the door pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come into your house to smite you and in the morning when the Egyptians woke there were dead people everywhere in Pharaoh's house right through and in their stockyards they were dead but in the house of the Jewish people there were those that lived folks when we get to the other side of life it will be only those who've trusted in the blood of Christ that will be there. Nobody else. No matter how good a preacher they seem to be, how big a organisation, whether it be 1.2 billion people, you know who I'm referring to, <laughs> doesn't make a difference. They won't be there. Isaac asked the question, and uh, Pastor McConnell pointed out, where is the lamb? Genesis 22 verse 7, when Dad and he were going, Abraham and him were going to to offer sacrifice on the temple mount, Mount Moriah. John the Baptist answered, Behold the Lamb of God, John 1.29, and all heaven will say, or says, Revelation 5.12, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb was slain. And the, that phrase is used most, as it was pointed out by Brother McConnell, in the book of Revelation, not, not to do with, probably not as much as in the sacrifices of the Old Testament, but in reference to the Lord Jesus, that's where it's used. It is a revelation of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. Worthy is the Lamb. Maybe we should start practicing it. Because <laughs> all heaven, and if we're there, we're going to be saying, worthy is the Lamb. With respect. With respect. And I've heard preachers say, and I dare hardly want to repeat it, I'll oh, just speak to the man upstairs. Uh, no, not good enough. Worthy, ref, holy and reverent is his name. Worthy is the Lamb. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for the Passover. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, that We've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, washed in the blood of the Lamb. May we each one rejoice. If there's someone here that has not been cleansed in the blood, has not been born the second time, and is comprehended tonight, they need to be born again. They need to be saved. They need the blood applied. May they apply that tonight by faith. For without faith it's impossible to please you. He that cometh to God must believe he is 
and a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Bless the seeker with salvation and the saint with assurance as we walk forward in our lives until you come and we see you face to face. In Jesus' name, amen.